get into Gate. This is episode 191. We're talking Stargate SG1 season nine. We are here. My name is Mitch. Joining me as always, Maddie and Brendan. Boys, what's doing? Welcome to Stargate Command. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, I, I had to rewind that. I'm like, oh, that feels like a reference to a show that never happened that Maddie's told me about once before. And so, yeah, I want to dive into that. Now. I'm, I was so glad. I was so happy that it was Walter that said it too. It just, it, you know, yeah. just, it felt right. Or as Robert C. Cooper calls him, the technician. Oh, God. Well, wow. this is, it's not going to be that the is... first problem we have with Robert C. Cooper in this uh, <laughs> podcast. I dare not. say, if not any of our pre. If our pre-podcast chat is anything to go by, uh, his name will come up once or yeah, twice. Yeah, not, not only did he write it, he did the audio commentary with the delightfully spectacular, wonderfully entertaining Andy Makita. Um, so it was basically just a dead, it was a, it was a dead pan off, basically. <laughs> Matty actually texted me and he, uh, for anyone listening and he said, how long does the Lord of the Rings extended trilogy go for? And I said, oh yeah, like 14 hours. He goes, I think it's still shorter than this audio commentary with Robert C. Cooper for Avalon. <laughs> For this 40 minute episode of television, yeah, yeah. <laughs> somehow <It felt> long, <laughs> like I was in some yeah. kind of time dilation once, field. Yeah, once I got your text, I flicked over the audio status from normal to Cooper. Oh, yeah, and it was around, and it was around the time I'm like, this actually might be interesting when it comes up with um PX3989, where they have the android robot. And they're, they're oh, talking yeah. to Cameron Mitchell about it. I'm like, that could be interesting what his reference to that was. And it's like, anyways, the different shots. So we have different shots because it's essentially like a pilot. I was like, oh, my. Because yeah. what, you, what you don't know about making a TV show is you have to shoot things. And then yeah. you have to shoot other things. And then, <laughs> and then you go into the edit and you edit those things that you shoot. That you shoot, that yeah. you shot previously. Well, that that Andy <laughs> shot because he's a director, whereas I'm a writer and producer, so I'm much more important. Uh, did I say producer? Executive. Producer. Yeah. <laughs> you little minions down on the floor. Uh, and that's literally what he calls it. That's what he calls this year. He's like, down on the floor. You guys down on the floor. Yeah, look, he's a piece of work. Okay. <laughs> he uh, something something you'll love though and we'll get to it is he he retroactively takes credit for creating Bala even though he didn't write Prometheus Unbound he's like so when I wrote Prometheus Unbound and then goes well I actually didn't write it oh but my I, god but I pitched it and then someone else wrote it <laughs> wow so yeah it, it a writer who doesn't understand the term write or writer <laughs> well tell you everything you need this is a pitch this is as good as a script yeah <laughs> well one thing i am happy about uh is that uh well you know it's it's, it's coming you know for a for a bad reason is that we no longer have uh stargate available on streaming services in australia at the moment or at least the way they were they're under the uh, the mgm mm. subscription on amazon prime video here so they are available it's just you know with a little bit extra on top of the little bit extra that we're already paying but the good news is we already have it on physical media, guys. So I think all of us have actually yeah. watched this on physical media. So for anyone watching this, we're holding it up, and obviously. For anyone on listening, three different all... versions. Like yeah. we each have a different version. Which I've is got amazing. the big, Mitch is a thick. The... Oh yeah, mate. Mitch has got the fat pack. One. Yeah, thick, <laughs> just thick. Like that's a two. Daddy's got an average size. Yeah, reasonable girth. Not bad. And mine's not bad. just like a long spaghetti thing. 
But, oh, but what yeah. it packs inside, though, yeah. eh? God, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, hours of hours of pleasure. Like, you've got you've got as much potency inside that little one as we do inside our bigger one. Yeah, see, mine's just wasted space, mate. You know, it's a two-hander, though. It's definitely a two-hander. Well, I will consult uh, the first DVD case in there to uh, have a look at our synopsis. And uh, look, there's a lot going on in the front. If you just come into this show and you're like, "Oh, let's go to the box eight. Who's who's that guy? Oh, who's that guy?" Like there's a lot to catch up on, and even then you pull open uh, the season nine volume one DVD on the front. As Vala, obviously, she comes into this episode that we're going to talk about. But again, if you haven't watched it and you're watching it now on on physical media, like oh, there's that chick that she's come back, and then it looks like there's a new general that seems important that I've literally never heard of before. Yeah, what's happening with my Stargate SG one? Front and center on mine. Look at that. Yep. First time I saw this episode, I didn't know Jeff Bridges had a brother. No, no. <laughs> I know. Whenever people ask me, like, that we're talking about Jeff Bridges, like, yeah, he's got a brother. And I'm like, I know, he's the guy from Stargate. And they're like, what? And I'm like, okay, sit down for a second. I've got 190 episodes of a podcast you're going to need to listen to. Um, and look, just to, just to take us back in a little, uh, uh, you know, um, a trip down memory lane. Obviously, we go on physical media, so we're already old school. But I've actually still got all the original sort of flyer and paperwork inside. So the little Ooh. inside the little sleeve. Uh, of season nine volume one is a folded up mini poster advertising you can buy the da vinci code on dvd guys that's how oh, it is you know what kind uh, of camera the, is that on the poster it's like it's a mini a, dv it's a mini dv sony megapixel tw- uh, uh what um, basically what, what I, they I don't shot, even um, dvd uh, handicam valued at 1500 bucks a dvd handicam dvd hand- yes oh look they were look at the curved side Mike, yeah. I've actually never even heard that you could buy a video camera yeah. that you could slot in a, a blank DVD. Oh, my God. And to yeah. anyone that's under 20 at the moment, we apologize for speaking in a language that you do not understand. <laughs> I think that um, came out about the same time. Can? <laughs> I think that came out about the same time I used to walk around my house holding my portable DVD player. Oh, watching DVDs. Yeah, they were great. Though. It was like the size of an iPad, but it opened up like a laptop and you yeah. could put a DVD yeah. in it, watch it. That was boss. Yeah. 20 minutes worth of battery. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> this will be good for the plane, right, Dad? Right? Yeah. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Just sit down and shut up. Take off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if that seatbelt light goes off before your DVD player, I'll be very surprised. Uh, <laughs> all right. We are talking two parts tonight. I think we will talk about this at the end of the episode a little bit more in depth. But, uh, I think we're going to do a, a bit of a, a, well, a mini tear. We're not going one for one at the moment. We did uh, Stargate Atlantis last episode. We're doing a double up Avalon part one and two here. And then are we coming back for even more Stargate SG-1 next week on the podcast? Is that? I think happened? so, yeah, because episode three, um, what's called Origin, basically picks up right after this episode. Yeah. I knew so, going into this, it was Avalon part one and two, but the way that part mm. two ended, because I've seen this before, I've seen nine and 10, but I might've only ever seen them once. And the way that it ended, I'm like, this feels like it, like we just saw the siege with uh, with Atlantis. This feels like it should be a, a three-part start to the season. So um, anyway, Origin next week, but Avalon part one and two, after all this time, let's go in and see what the old synopsis has to say general landry who's that doesn't matter he appoints lieutenant colonel cameron mitchell who's that to lead sg1 vala you remember her the beautiful thief yeah exactly has come with a tablet containing the secret to a buried treasure when they find themselves trapped below the earth another series of riddles may prevent them from uncovering the treasure or from getting out alive 
part two. Daniel and Vala have been transported to a village inhabited by worshippers of the mysterious Ori. They find that they have inhabited the bodies of two villagers already under scrutiny for seditious behaviour. Can they convince the villagers of their true identity before the people they inhabit are burnt at the stake? Jesus Christ, guys. I look at you. You've got a little Vala. There's no stake. There's actually no stake. No. But yeah, that was the way that I described it to Lincoln. I was speaking to him on the phone today about the podcast. And I said, you know, and then Valor gets burned at the stake. And yeah, there is no stake. It's just like a little no. intricate riddle pool. Like a like big, a, um, yeah, like oil, um, what do you call it? Like oil bath. Oil, oil burner type thing. Incense. And, uh, oil incense baths. Worth saying, written by Robert C. Cooper, directed by Andy Makita, both parts shared yeah. by the same writer. Hey, who director. wrote Origins? Because it doesn't say on this one. Uh, Origins. Um, uh, Robert Cooper did as well, Ugh. but and they talk about it in the audio commentary. He didn't get Andy Makita to direct part three, and Andy Makita was actually kind of pissed about it. No, you wouldn't. Um, so we got, <laughs> so yeah, part three, written, written by Robert C. Cooper, um, directed by um, Brad Turner. Because it doesn't say on the um, the thin dick one. Uh, see, it does on my nice thick one. Oh yeah. yeah. Here you go. I'll play you. Um, I'll play you some of the audio commentary of what Robert C. Cooper had to say about it uh, being a three-parter. Gorgeous. I'm Andy Makita. I'm Robert Cooper, and uh, this is uh, episode one of season one of uh, Stargate Command. Oh right. <laughs> Oops. It's Slip actually season nine of Stargate SG One. There's a little inside joke at the end of the tease here, um, in which uh, Gary's character technician. Uh, as I refer to him, right. even though he's got a, a name now, uh, says, Welcome to Stargate Command. Uh, with this, this, uh, this was supposed to be the pilot for a, a new show. Quite frankly, it doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah, it's still a, a it was an opportunity thing. to reinvent the show. We, we spent um, a lot of energy creating uh, uh, Stargate Atlantis, and in the process of that, realized that we were really tired of trying to end SG-1. <laughs> if no one else was going to notice that we had ended it three years in a row, we were going to stop doing that. And so we, we decided uh, with with the what felt like the end of a chapter, with the, you know, um, uh, Richard Dean Anderson essentially leaving the show, uh, it was an opportunity to reinvent the series. The mm -hmm. Gould had been defeated, the, the Replicators had been defeated, so, so we needed to start fresh. Right. And... Um, I uh, I sat down to, to to write these first two what was supposed to be two episodes and I got about you know <laughs> a third of the way into the story and I was already on page you know fifty five which is a, <laughs> longer than we were we normally have one script be and I called Brad and I said I got a three parter here. That felt even longer listening back to it then than it did when he said it the first time. <laughs> so if it was supposed to be a pilot, what's with all the Jafar political mumbo jumbo Star Wars Senate life bullshit? Yeah, right. Because that was that was yeah. Wonder basically useless. It was just a, just basically saying Tilk's back. Yeah, it was a really when you could have <laughs> just not bothered with that. Yeah, there was, I know there was a lot of that, right? Like again, because I've only seen this uh, the once, but. I, it was like when I was watching it, it actually felt I, I, I was watching it 
under some kind of false belief that, oh, yeah, Amanda Tapping was trying to leave the show and, oh, Michael Shanks was trying to leave it again. And, yeah, Chris Judge was kind of over it and he was trying mm-hmm. to leave. And I'm like, no, 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 this was just a really tedious way of bringing them back to somewhere that they hadn't left when we last saw them. Like, yeah. how, how does how does that work? And it, it, it did go on for a while, but I almost felt like offended, not so much with Sam Carter because, you know, they're like, oh, you're heading up R&D at Area 51. I'm like, yeah, that'd be so much cooler than traveling around the galaxy uh, and meeting. <laughs> yeah, should be yeah, happy with that. Absolutely. And then, you know, Teal'c, I'm like, well, his his mission was always, you know, like Earth first, I get that, and, 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 and be, um, you know, O'Neill's partner and return the favor of saving his life, blah, blah, blah. And, but, but, Daniel Jackson was like, they're like, oh, you're leaving there. Yep, finally. And I'm like, shut up, Dick. Yes. Like, <laughs> no. I know. That's what, I, that's I just, what irks I, me too. Because you know, like how Reese always usually says, like, we as the audience are the fifth member of SG1. Yeah. And yet we're playing catch up like Cameron Mitchell is for some reason. He wasn't briefed on who's in his team. And the rest of SG1 are just fine with leaving. Which and they're happy. They're like, "Oh, congratulations! You got SG One." It's like, well, what about that's kind of a big deal just for the SGC in general, considering it's the inaugural SG One. This is the first time there's ever been a new team in the entire ten or nine years, you know, existence of the program. Yeah, there was no farewell or ceremony. Not that I would expect in the military, I guess, but for a show, Mm. and then they just get disbanded with no fuss. I mean. They've already saved the world 156,000 times, for God's sake. Fucking Cooper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is very weird because it's like Jack's gone as well, you know. he's. Yeah. Do they say where he is? Like, we do find out later on he's basically just been promoted to what Hammond used to be, like the head of Homeland yeah. Security or whatever. Like, he's been, you know, he's, he's shipped off to the Pentagon. So Yeah, there's no real in. exposition as to why. It was just they just snuck in that. Uh, I, I wouldn't even say it was a good scene where they're playing chess. Yeah. Well, the only thing I like in that one, and I think it's something that sort of the the Jack and Sam shippers have kind of latched onto, is you know Jack says he's back in town because he's selling off his his house and blah blah blah, and he mentions he's selling off a motorcycle. Now we've never seen Jack with a motorcycle. Who's the only member of in, in all of Stargate that we've ever seen own or do anything with a motorcycle? Sam Carter. So a lot of the the shippers. Oh, was have, that when they went to the restaurant? She had a leather jacket on. No, I remember there's that there's that. See, maybe in Nemesis or whatever, where she's like working on a motorbike. She's like doing repairs and shit on a motorbike inside the SGC with like. Oh, um, I have a memory of that. That's like season three, season yeah. four. She's like got a like a Harley Davidson or whatever that she's working on in when the he SG- invited her for fishing or whatever. I'm pretty sure, yeah. So a lot of the shippers have jumped on board the fact that right. now that now that Jack and Sam aren't direct superior and subordinate to each other working in the same thing, they can actually safely pursue a, a relationship. Mm. And then, uh, not to spoil anything for Mitch, but you do see at a certain point Carter, like with a, there's like a photo in the background. It's like a photo of Jack oh, in the right. background. I think it might be season ten or something like that. I don't know. But someone's pointed like pointed it out where they're like, oh, okay, that's interesting. So yeah, and a lot of people are just kind of on board with the fact now that Jack and Sam are banging. Yeah, wow. Um, now that they're not both um, based at the SGC anymore. With the whole like 
they're separated and oh is he gonna get them back you know uh it's easy for us because we're holding a dvd box set with their faces all over the room. <laughs> but um do we know with the the, the opening, opening credits, credits <laughs> yeah like the the sequence is that something like i know that a lot of shows do that you know watch a lot of shows from the 90s and it's usually the first season and they'll you know they'll have already filmed six or seven episodes but they'll shove in stuff that you know you haven't seen before and it was obviously the way of the 90s that was what opening montage you know credit sequences were title shots or whatever but this show obviously it's, it's only had a couple of different title sequences uh, along the way uh, but this one, obviously, it's full of new stuff. Whether you've got, you know, um, uh, Ben Browder, he's getting top billing in the show uh, as far as, you know, the faces that pop up. Bo Bridges is in there as this new general. There's shots of the Ori priests or, or whatever they are. But then it obviously ends with the four of them walking together in the same mm. uniform through the Stargate like the old SG-1 had. And it's like, oh, so obviously they're going to get back together. Now, okay, of course, us as watchers, we're watching Stargate SG-1 and whether or not, the internet of 2005, six or whatever was, was rampant with rumors and Stargate, you know, casting decisions or whatever, but we probably knew watching it at the time. Yeah. These guys aren't, knowing. yeah, they're, they're yeah. not going anywhere, but well, we the had idea the Stargate of like, SG1 magazine, you know, from yeah, season, yeah. season seven. That's right. and, and they were season, even, season eight. was the Bible. They even yeah. were kind of almost promoting that Ben Browder is joining the show because he yeah. and Claudia both just came off Farscape. Yeah. Um, they were sort of promoting that they were both both in. There's even a joke, I think by season three or something of Atlantis, there's a joke where Stargate is basically just adopting actors from cancelled sci-fi shows. Like the <laughs> amount of people they bring in from 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 you know other sci-fi shows is phenomenal. Mm. But um Oh, it's just uh, yeah, more so I read, that, um, yeah, the, the fact that like they show us that they're together, but then they spend so much, like more than enough time trying to convince us they're not going to get back together. Mm, and like yeah. we were saying, like they wouldn't, they didn't separate. That is like Brent said, there's no fanfare or anything to say, yep, well, this is us trying to convince you it's all done. It was like, yeah, they're gone. They're not coming back. And then him spending all this you know, montage of interviewing other people and going back and interviewing SG-1 old school. No, going off world to talk to Tilk and Tilk calling him brother and all this other, like just, there was a lot of camaraderie there after we get some of his backstory and before we get a lot of other stuff and then just spending so much time trying to convince us that this is it, they're done and they're not coming back. And I'm like, yeah, but we already saw in the montage them mm. walking together as a team. Like, but I didn't know whether that was just, uh, they didn't have that as an opening sequence for the first two, three, five, six, seven episodes as it went to air, maybe for the second half of the season, but then come the time of the DVD, they've just made it the opening sequence for every episode because we already know what we're watching. So um, I just I, no, whether you guys I think it any... was, I think it was from the original because I remember even in one of the later commentaries, I think I remember Peter DeLuise talking about like he actually filmed a lot of the stuff for the um, opening credits and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Cause that, that sort of final shot of them walking through the Stargate isn't until like episode nine or something like that. Something, mm. it was something, it was something wild like that, but, um, but yeah, it, 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 it reeks of um, was it maybe abyss after Daniel had ascended and it was like, his big, you know, return, big secret, you know, special. And it's like, bang, right after the, you know, opening credits, it's like, in, and then there's the, the credits along with special guest star, Michael Shanks. And it's like, yeah. you're doing it before he's even had any screen time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and my, yeah, Michael Shanks is back to Daniel Jackson. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I guess he's back. 
I, I had a bit of an, I have issue with the way they did the kind of introduction to Mitchell, even though I do, I do like Mitchell more now than I did um, first seeing it. Cause I obviously comparing him to his previous character on fast grade. Mm. So for me, it's like, all right, so they do all these flashbacks, incredible flashbacks, but I found them a bit tedious because it's like they keep going to it. But the main problem I had was, all right, so what, A, he was in that dogfight. Okay, not a big deal. But he had all of SG1 come to visit him separately to wish him well. And Daniel Jackson says, I know I owe you one. What did he do in that dogfight? Like yeah. he shot that one glider or what that one um, attack vessel and yeah. it was just like, shouldn't he be thanking them? And then he crashed. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just didn't see the big, and yeah, even that, he... and that one line where he's like, welcome to the SGC. And they're like, who's that? Oh, you know, that guy in the dogfight, that's him. Like and well, that they, didn't even, they didn't even me. say that. They're like, oh, remember two years ago when I remember the season finale of season yeah. seven and uh, that thing happened. They go, oh my God, that's him. And I'm like, what's him? Like, there yeah. was no fight. It wasn't like the guy who fired this. It wasn't this guy. Yeah. Like, it was, Which it was the just math like, there doesn't even work out. It's been like 14 months, not two years. Mm. Yeah. It's the end of season seven was Lost City. Mm. Yeah. And this is only the beginning of season nine. So I'm like, Cooper couldn't even get that math right. <laughs> I, I do like the idea of it. Like the idea of introducing a character that yeah. while, while we don't know them in universe, they know him and yeah. not just know of him, but seem to know him, know him. But yeah, I think maybe all the flashbacks would have worked better if they were all together in one big thing, right? Rather yeah. than jumping back and back and back and back to it. And yeah, I on feel this like rewatch, he, I was like, oh, that wasn't too bad. But then they keep going back on that. Yeah, he can have a moment. Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, if, if anyone saved the day during Lost City, it was Hammond. Like, it was Hammond coming in yeah. Prometheus. That was the exactly. moment. So, I, I think while it was and a good Jack, idea... It was all Jack. Like, why, why is Daniel thanking Mitchell? He basically crashed his ship. And he was yeah he was crashed before the little um ancient drones came out right because he was like in the snow unconscious coming to going wow they're everywhere look at them and i'm like like not that he didn't do anything obviously saved another one of his pilots out there and he stopped another one from firing on the ship that had monstrous shields and wasn't going to take any damage from that hit so i i I think you're right brendan every time they went back to the flashbacks it kind of made it worse because they didn't eventually get to the big Oomph, this is the moment and mm. again he did some wonderful things but and I, I think the music helped me a lot because I'd forgotten so much of this I remember obviously him showing up at the start and then flashing back to go hey this is why everyone's going to have known him and I like the sort of commanding presence that he had when he was obviously in that um, in the plane and then when they cut back even further and he he went out and he said hey guys we've got this 20 minutes and we're going and just say hey it doesn't matter what's going on where it's happening this is SG1 and we're going to protect them with our uh, with our every fiber I liked all that and yeah the music was great and i had this real sense of oh this guy's an unsung hero of this battle and i just think in the end it was like oh i think we just like that just that little bit because he like he is a new character and as i've been getting towards these episodes the last even couple of years i've went yeah he becomes like a jack substitute 
And for the first like mm. 15 minutes, he's really not. And they go out of their way to tell you, you know, this guy's a straight shooter. He's absolutely perfect. He does nothing wrong. Landry says three times in their first meeting, you don't have any faults. You are just great. Please tell me something that's wrong with you. And he's like, if anything, it's I try too hard, sir. And it's like, okay, he's a real straight nosed guy. And then very quickly becomes Jack. And I, yeah. I forgot to check because there's one bit where he's in like his army uniform in the base. And I'm like trying to almost look over the table that he was standing behind to see whether his shirt was untucked. Because I think I have great memories of Cameron Mitchell walking around with his sleeves rolled up halfway up his forearms mm. and his shirt untucked, just like Jack and only Jack did. Everyone else in that base tucks that shirt in because they respect the military, not Jack, not the air force, whatever. Um, but I feel like even halfway through his debut episode, Cameron Mitchell very quickly becomes the Jack heir apparent. And it's like, Oh, and SG one's already back here. So sorry yeah. for trying to convince you. They weren't with that. I other think, strange guy. I think while I, yeah, while I liked the idea of it, I think it was always doomed to shoot themselves in the foot. A for what you guys have just said in terms of what it was lacking but then I feel like the flip side, if they had shown us Mitchell doing something really heroic and quote unquote saving the day during Lost City, I feel like we'd criticize that just as much because it's like, well, that's a really important plot point that they just mm. skipped over in, in Lost City. So I think the problem was making him have some kind of big heroic moment that they owe him. Mm. It should have just been, he was there. He was part of the dog fight. He's been in this the whole time with us. Yeah. And like that should have been enough. The hospital um, scenes were too much, I thought. Yeah, I think just the one where Jack's saying, you know, okay, you know, once you're back on your feet, whatever you whatever you want within yeah, the power, I'll help you yeah. out. That's enough. There didn't need to be like yeah. a real personal, oh, we really owe you our lives kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's what kind of puts it into that position where we're like, well, what could he what? have possibly done? And what we've <laughs> yeah. seen doesn't, doesn't Maybe he add could up have rescued it. the Prometheus or something so the prometheus made it to cover sg1 like yeah something because yeah, surely that wasn't the only um like casualty like he lost his co-pilot which mm. by the way his co-pilot was adam banks isn't that the guy from the mighty ducks yep the guy who left was the, other district. Guy, the guy who left the hawks or whatever and had to come over to the ducks yeah i know his last name was banks, banks. i know, his yeah, last no, was name that, was it, was, it was a hundred percent it was adam banks it's adam banks wow we didn't know that this universe. So we talk, hang on, we talking about the character or the actor? The character. Yeah. The character. Okay. Yeah. Adam Banks was the guy who couldn't like when he injured his army, couldn't hit yeah. that right to prove himself, right? That's it. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, there you yeah. go. I mean, that those one of his were old teammates had whacked him with his um with the mm -hmm. hockey stick. That's right. Well, I mean, what was what was the first what was champions? It was like what 93 Mighty Ducks. Something that like was like that. 95 yeah. or something. This was 2005, 2006, or whatever, like. I mean, the age fits out. He was like, you know, 11, 12, 13. He could very easily be in his early 20s in this show. And he, he I mean, what a what a career. He started off playing yeah, some local hockey. Except I'm, I'm pretty sure he Milo! came back in, I'm pretty sure he came back in the Mighty Ducks uh, Disney Plus show, I think. Well, they had, they had one episode where like Foggy was there and um, Guy and, and um, oh God, Marguerite Moreau's character. What was mm. her name in it? Oh, uh, Southern with a C. God, I had a crush on her. Is it wrong? Yeah. I think Connie? The right one. Connie. 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 God, yeah. God, I was in love with her. Uh, so like Connie, Gee, and Foggy yeah, yeah. And, and Banks all, all came back for an episode. Okay. Yeah. Well. Oh, and the little I figure mean... skater guy, the little Asian figure skater guy from number two. Oh, yes. Yeah, he came back as well, I'm pretty sure. Well, that's a shame that 
it couldn't have been him in a crossover universe and he died. But I'm glad he's alive <laughs> in the Mighty Ducks universe. So, but I did like between good. between a Mighty Ducks reference and then obviously like Cameron Mitchell while he's in the 302, like basically just quoting A New Hope. Yeah, <laughs> as he's yeah, as cool. he's like fighting and stuff. I'm like, all right, good work, I'll Red. But then I'll the guy that. was he actually said good work, Red. Yeah, and then, and then he's like Redman. I'm like, okay, mm. Let's see, you kind of yeah. get away there. Plus, plus <laughs> he crashed. Plus he crashed in the ice like Luke did in Hot. Yeah. Hot like you know yeah oh it was very reminiscent of that like the yeah like, i think the angle i think if you yeah. measured the angle with which he came down to the ground i think yeah. it would almost be identical to See, Empire. that's 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 what that's what this show needed if it was a proper pilot what would have happened is after he after mitchell crashed a 302 in the ice he would have got out shot a grappling gun attached to a alkesh gone his way up and blown up that alkesh yeah that's and then yes all the praise would have been justified. You yeah. would have been like, oh my God, that guy is superhuman. And yeah. look, I reckon we're saying, oh, it's not like there were only uh, no other survivors. Like uh, that might've helped if he was the only survivor, then it might've been like, well, yeah. everyone else died. You didn't do anything like really monumental compared to say the Prometheus or Jack, but you're the only survivor of everyone else. Yeah, that would have been like, of like all the 302 pilots. I was thinking yeah, the Prometheus all survived. the 302 pilots. The, the yeah, survivor. all the 302 pilots um, died except yeah. for Mitchell. That would have been, yeah, tragic, but pretty nice. cool. Yeah. It would have been a good way <laughs> Still to Still yeah. cool. Because, yeah. like, he didn't necessarily have to do anything, but he yeah. survived. Mm. He's a yeah. survivor. <laughs> hey, I want to quickly run through a little bit of trivia um, for this episode. Just I'll rapid fire some of the interesting things I noticed given that this is kind of like the quote-unquote, you know, new show. But little things for people to watch out. Um, Walter gets his final promotion this episode and finally gives his name of Chief Master Sergeant Walter Harriman. After all these years, he finally actually says it all. Um, I think you mean technician. <laughs> yeah, technician, as, uh, um, as Cooper calls him, because he can't be bothered remembering the little people's names. And like he said, oh, and he has a name now. And I'm like, he's had four names for years, yeah. mate. Like, yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter that oh, we can't mate. decide which one's the real one. That's it. Um, Tilk, you'll notice going forward, Tilk no longer carries a staff weapon as his standard mm. go-to weapon. But he's still got golden staff. <laughs> That's the problem. Um, what is he just straight up zats or is it machine gun? Uh, he's more like shit? P90. He goes like a double P90 in a few what? episodes, yeah. which is really cool. Oh, I love it. Shame. I love the double P90. And I noticed Mitchell doesn't really do a P90 either. He has his own kind of like M16 or whatever mm. thing. Um, he doesn't really go for the classic P90. I, I think it seems to be just, just Carter and um, Daniel keep the P90s. Yeah. Okay. And the other guys. I know there's one episode, really cool episode, where like um, Tilk has just like, what do they call Like the chainsaw. And it's just this massive, like, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Predator kind of thing. <laughs> he just rocks. But my favorite is when he, he beams in at one point and he's got a P90 in each hand and he just goes out like that sideways. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's yeah. Good show. They, all, they all beam in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on top of that, um, this is the this is the final appearance of Ragnar, Tilk's Jafar buddy, with the um the chewed mm. up, chewed up bubble gum on his forehead. Looked more like the Batman symbol this time. Oh, <laughs> did it? I didn't look that closely. <laughs> um, it's, maybe it's one of those raw shape tests that I always <laughs> do. either see a bat or a vagina. That's all. I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Doctor Lamb, who we're introduced to, that's Lexa Doig. That's Michael Shanks's real life wife. Uh, for anyone mm. who doesn't know, mm. um, they actually met when he went and did a guest spot on her show Andromeda with Kevin That's Sorbo. That's right. Yeah. And then they kind of went, hey, what's, what's going yeah. on? She um, was Andromeda. Yeah. And then she actually didn't like, 
have any favors or anything. Like she actually just went and auditioned for this role. They didn't like give it to her or you know or oh, anything really? like that. Yeah, she just went. Feels and auditioned. like they did because she was <laughs> phoned it in. I think. Well, I'm sure once she got there, they were like, "Oh, if we don't give her the role, Shanksy's going to quit again." Um, <laughs> but, but she did. I'm quitting. Yeah, she did make a point of going. Oh, look, I don't want any special treatment. I'll I'll go and audition for the role. Um, Much prefer Janet to Doctor Lamb. She's wow. very one-dimensional. See, I'd love to find out what Reese's thoughts on Dr. Lamb were, given that he hated Janet so much. That'd be interesting. Lamb shanks. Um, uh, when we're introduced to uh, the hologram of Merlin. Mirden. Um, Mirden. Yeah. That is, like, and Daniel even says it when he's reading the book, Moros, a.k.a. Mirden, a.k.a. Merlin. That is Moros, who is the head of the High Council on Atlantis in Before I Sleep, when Weir goes back in ah. time mm. and she's talking to the, the council, the old guy with the white beard is Moros, and it's the same actor. So old, ah, cool. old Dr. Weir actually chatted with Merlin before he was Merlin, back when he was Moros. Sick. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And he's like, you will not masturbate in my city. And she's like, watch me. <laughs> she's like, watch me. <laughs> and then... <laughs> That actor, the future, mate. Feminism <laughs> is rife. That actor is actually the same. He was the same old man from Touchstone. Remember, he was like the old man with his titties hanging out and that little bit of what? snow stuck in the sure? corner. In there. Same actor. No way. Yeah, same guy. A <laughs> couple of other little things. Um, first appearance of Lieutenant Marx, who becomes pretty regular. He's like the guy that was on the Prometheus, the little like... Um, like the little side bitch that was, that was like, he's, he, he look, kind of looks like Chuck from Atlantis, but he's kind of like just a, another technician, like almost like below like um, a weapon, Walter, I guess. Yeah. Um, he does a bunch of episodes. Um, obviously the robot um, SG member was obviously a reference to Star Trek with um, Data from the Next Generation, obviously. Um, oh, that's a stretch, mate. <laughs> it, oh, come on. They want to have a robotic member of the team. Where else has that ever been a thing except for like Red Dwarf and Star Trek? Apart from the planet that he said, PX3989 was Tin Man. Yeah, but that's what I mean. They want to add a synthetic person to the team. That's Data, mate. That's Data. That's that's Wormhole Extreme. <laughs> oh, oh, you're right, actually. That's not bad at all. And then some classic Cooper writing is when... Um... <laughs> <laughs> when Dan- up to the fire here. When, Dan- <laughs> when Daniel and Vala travel to um, Celestis and they're put into the bodies of those two characters, Harrod and Salas, that is basically the alien version of when Harry met Sally. That's what Robert Cooper did there. Oh, Harrod and Salas. And when they burnt Vala alive. Daniel's like, I'll have what she's having. Yeah, that was that was that was adding the toasted croutons to that salad. <laughs> so a few of the rumors as well, like Daniel had a beard. I believe yeah. that was that was the idea that him and um, Ben Bradder looked too much like, so that they thought that they would throw make Daniel have a beard, even though the glasses were a dead giveaway. Hence that joke <laughs> by Vala about the limited gene pool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, it was a when when Ben Bradder was announced, it was kind of a bit of a fan thing on the forums and stuff like that, saying you know they look too much alike. And even I think in the commentary, like Cooper said, like yeah, you can see it in in like a long shot when they're both all wearing the uniforms, like out you know running around on another planet that looks like Canada's forests. Mm. Um, <laughs> they get it. So Michael Shanks was like, oh, I'll grow my hair out for a little. But he got sick of it after 
whatever it was, four or five episodes. But mm. he should have yeah. just grown his hair out again. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> on the old sick. season one mop. Season yeah. one, season two mop. Brilliant. I did. Um, I did find out too. Um, when uh, Ben Browder actually got the role, it's not as impressive now in like 2020. But for 2005, it was pretty impressive. When he got the role, he he asked to be provided with, and they gave him every episode of Stargate SG One, and he watched them all in about two weeks. He said, "Well, I want to watch every every episode," and I said, "Well, actually, the truth is, there's a lot of episodes I'd really rather you didn't see." <laughs> Uh, and he goes, no, no, I want to see, I want to see the successes and the failures and you know everything, warts and all. And he sat down and watched all 180 odd episodes at the time, and I thought that that frightened me a little. It scared uh, the hell out of yeah. me for sure. But it became a bit of a running gag in the show. The the all of the references to him having read the files mm-hmm. in a way translated to him having seen the show. So yeah. that was a good file. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. It was all you know could have been could have been. I remember that show. You know, yeah, two thousand five. That's super. Impressive. Also, he could have been watching it. What was he doing during that period? Just watch <laughs> the show, mate. Let's see. He just he just wrapped um, Peacekeeper Wars. So. Yeah. Fun fact, he actually auditioned for the role of Shepard in Atlantis and, al- and almost got oh. it, but he had to pull out for consideration because that's when the Peacekeeper Wars was approved, like the, the telemovie to finish off Farscape after it got cancelled. That Because of production of that, he couldn't actually join Atlantis. So when they, you know, a year later when they were looking for someone um, for SG-1, they were like, oh, let's, let's give Ben Browder a call and see what he's doing. Yeah, I heard he was second choice for that anyway behind planning oh, yeah i yeah. think i think it would be i think um ben Browder would have done a fine job with um shepherd but it's hard yeah. to imagine it's hard to yeah. imagine shepherd not as joe like joe flanagan as shepherd yeah. now. if yeah. they kept the characters the same like the idea of joe flanagan coming in again i'm only my only reference point for him is is shepherds but the idea of him coming in and being super serious in episode one avalon I can't, I can't see that, but yeah, you're right. I can actually see uh, Ben Browder being Shepard a lot easier. So, well. took big issue with his character's name. I just don't like the name. Mm. Like the two, the two first name. And just there's yeah. nothing. Like he can't even short many. They call him Cam. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it it does <laughs> it does sound very forced. When they say yeah. Cam, maybe it's just the accent, or maybe because we're just used to hearing it in an Australian accent. But Cam mm. seems so much more casual when we say it, as opposed to with like an American or Canadian accent. And then like trying to pull like, oh yeah, Cam Shaft, and it's like no, no, yeah. <laughs> it's not not a thing, not a thing. So and Mitchell, I mean, who'd be named Mitchell? That's no, just, no. As if you would. Yeah. I mean, there's a few things that annoyed me. That's all. Yeah, mm. I did. I Hang on, wasn't um wasn't Amanda Tapping pregnant through this? This is why she couldn't be in she, the start of the season. She'd already given birth, so she was on maternity right. leave. So she'd already given birth. She was lactating, couldn't couldn't come to set. Sorry. <laughs> no, so yeah, she's she's gone for the first, I want to say, six episodes. Oh wow. Um mm. of this season. And that's conveniently how long Vala hangs around for. <laughs> um, spoiler alert, yeah. she hasn't seen season 10. But um, but that's that's why oh, they got. Yeah, see, I I don't like I, I I'm kind of going off that um the end shot of the of the title sequence and like obviously Val is not going to be going on missions just every single day. But at the same time, I'm I see her in this. I'm like, oh, that's right. She comes and sort of just never leaves. Um, 
that's my memory of her. And I just, I'd yeah. wonder whether that's just the, the hangover of, of that character. And I talking to Lincoln about it today, because I think we feel the same way about Vala. Um, but we also don't have Farscape like you guys do. So whenever I've had like criticized Vala, you guys are like, oh, but you know, Claudia Blacksauce. I'm like, yeah, no, I agree. And I, I do, but I don't have like, who, who does she play in Farscape? What's the character's name? Aaron Soon. Aaron Soon. You always are. Aaron Soon is amazing. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. I want to watch it just to experience that because it's unfair of me to judge her only on Vala, but I mean, what yeah. else can I do? I but think you guys pitch black, mate. Come on. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You're right. I have two things to reference her on, but I kept going back. She was yeah, also in... in the um interview with a vampire sequel. Uh, what was that? Queen one of the called? Damned. Yeah, she was in that. Um, for a I actually haven't too. seen that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's Honestly. probably in heaps of games that you've played. Yeah. yeah she does a lot of voice work. Um, I, I think. I feel, I mean, this could just be me projecting, but I feel like anyone who is a fan of and has seen a lot of Farscape does give Vala a little bit more of a pass than those mm. who don't, because she is very polarizing. And it's funny, mm. even at one point in the audio commentary, Anna Makita says, Oh, look, love her or hate her. You know, she invokes a strong response. And that's when, like, Robert <laughs> Cooper like, cuts him off because he, he'd just taken credit for creating Vala. Um, <laughs> but, well done, Andy. I like it. Yeah. yeah for, um, for like four years on Farscape, she essentially played Teal. She was the stoic warrior that never got a laugh and like never got to. So I feel like she loved the Vala role because when they went and did Prometheus Unbound, they would just said, go for it. Go nuts. Nobody's can, watching. Can I, go and do whatever you want. Can I ask for an easy comparison just to my dim brain who hasn't seen those shows? Um, are you then, is she essentially the Ming-Na Wen of Farscape? Like, yes. Oh, yeah. that makes she me is, want to watch I She's do love the badass warrior, like yeah. just straight up. Like, and I know um, that Ming Na Wen obviously comes into Saga Universe, but I haven't experienced that, so I'm literally going off what she's oh, like in Agents of Shield. Oh. And you're, uh, gonna, you're going to hate Ming Na Wen in Stargate. <laughs> I think I've been warned about that. She, yeah, she's yeah. basically the head of HR. She's HR. She's HR. Oh she's it's payroll, true. basically. Um, HR. I really, I still really so... like the character. Yeah, I still really like um, Camille in in Stargate Universe um, because in a lot of ways she is the Weir and the Daniel Jackson. So like right. I, I I fall into that category of um, of her. What's well, funny you said that she's the HR because my immediate thought then was like oh and like that's kind of redundant when they're stuck out in the you know vastness of space. Her role is kind of redundant because she's got no one to report to and to back her up, I guess. And I'm like, well, hang on. There's also that person in Atlantis. And I, I forget who it is. Maybe it's just part of Weir's role or line where do they have a prisoner? Do they have a wraith? Or there's something going on where they're like, that's that's against the Geneva Convention or it's against yeah. it's war crimes. Of, and, and Brendan was like, they're not on Earth. They can do whatever the they want by the time they get back to earth what do they go oh you shouldn't have killed that alien that was threatening to blow up your planet that was immoral it's like yeah also we're alive so you're welcome so yeah but um, i mean does that does that mean if you guys are on a boat in international waters you're gonna start <laughs> no like whoa, you have- okay whoa <laughs> that was a big step i feel Go like on. there was like 47 other examples you could have <laughs> got before that I was like, I'm going to say yes to this. Sorry, like, I, oh, okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> no, yeah, I, yeah. I saw a TikTok today that was replaying that Ashton Kutcher thing where he was like in front of the, you know. Oh, yeah. So it was just front of mind. Um, no, no, but I, <laughs> I was going to say that's fine. It's not, Maddie. I'm reporting you um, to yeah. our, our, our management, <laughs> which is right now. We're having an no meeting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
I'll um I'll play the audio from the um from the commentary of uh, oh, Robert, Robert Cooper retroactively taking credit for Vala. And Excellent. then Annie Makita going, well, everyone hates it. And when we shot Prometheus, it was a second unit episode. We shot it almost exclusively second unit. So we, we kind of felt like we weren't being watched. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the kids were left alone in the sandbox with yeah. all the toys, so we just uh, went for it. And Yeah, uh, actually, I remember when I when I wrote that episode, uh, well, actually, I didn't write it. Uh, Damien Kindler wrote the, uh, when, wrote, wrote the first episode. Mm-hmm. I, what happened, the, the genesis of it was I came in and I pitched the story to Damien. Right. He went away wrote a draft of it uh we talked about it um you know i explained to him that i had a take for the character that wasn't in the draft that he had done and i and i did a pass on that on that script but everyone thought i had lost my mind whether it came out of boredom or just you know uh, uh but i said you know when i said we want to do a story about a super soldier who takes over the you know prometheus but turns out it's a woman and she's a bounty hunter but she's totally sexed up and you know tries to you know, seduce Daniel and, and all that. They all they were all just like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> you lost your mind? No, lo- lover or hater, she elicits a, uh, you know, a strong response. So to this question. this scene here was the the first of. So he just changes the subject straight uh, away. This scene, you see the scene. Um, nothing <laughs> relevant to say about it, but yeah, he just uh, you know he bangs like, on I for three like minutes Vala. about taking credit for it, and then <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like if they had of, I'll probably get a lot of hate for this from Vala lovers, but I feel like if they had have killed her, like when they did in this episode, in Avalon Part 2, if she had have died then permanently, mm. she would just be, everyone would have loved her, mm. like one of the best ever characters of SG-1. Because she, That's I really enjoy, even though... Even though she was kind of frustrating at the start by lying, and I think the frustrating part for me was the SGC let her get away with it more so than anything. Yeah. Not not her character so much, but the SGC were like really average with their security. Mm. And um, yeah, I just I I like the whole kind of when she's they not they knock each other out or whatever they're knocked out and she's in the hospital bed and she's super cheeky and stuff. I liked all of that. Mm. And she's like, even when she's the other chick in the mirror pushing up her boobs and like things like this, yeah. like I feel like everything that you don't like about Vala hasn't happened yet. Yeah, yeah, I, right. I okay. always, I always liken it to they kind of, you know, they lost Jack, they didn't have Sam. I think they were almost in a way like panicking, like what are we going to do? How are we going to, you know, do this show? So they bring Vala in, great character. I love Vala. I love Claudia Black. But I think in the same way, like imagine if when Richard Anderson joined SG-1 in season one, imagine he, if he was as wacky and loose and fun in season one as he was mm. in season eight. People, yeah, I think, yeah. would have had that same reaction to like, this isn't the Jack O'Neill we know, but Jack O'Neill slowly got goofier and goofier and goofier yeah. as the series went on and he got to know well, the character. Whereas I feel like they were like, Okay, let's bring Vala in. She can be like the substitution for the goofiness that that O'Neill brought, and then Cameron can can you know bring in the rest of the stuff that we need. And I think maybe yeah, because there wasn't that as much balance, people, yeah. people were very kind of just found Vala very jarring, which I totally get. Me personally mm. loved it, but I can understand why some people were like, oh, not not really my cup of tea. And I know a lot of the um, female audience as well who are used to just seeing 
Sam as like the representation for a woman in the military, not at all sexualized, just, you know, to then have this campy, vampy, boobs out, dominatrix, leather clad, you know, chick who uses her sexuality to yeah, get Yeah, that's what the good part wants. about that. Like Sam was smart. Dog she, image, like, on her own. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but at least she owns it. It's not just like when, yeah. um, I know that, we, you know, we, we joked about, what was the, the, um, the Are you going to go Anise? Anise, right? When she's there mm. and it's like, I'm a sci-fi woman from the mid nineties. So my boobs are out for no reason. Like I'm in a leather miniskirt. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm an alien symbiote that looks like a worm with like, you know, spikes coming out of its head. And uh, yet somehow I understand human sexuality uh, or human bodies, but yeah, that's, I actually have zero problem, not because I'm a hot blooded male or anything, but like the fact that Val is everything she does, she owns, she is 100% herself and she owns it, all of that. So you're right. I actually do love that. And the fact that it's the complete opposite of Sam, but not to the detriment of all the work that Sam did either really on the nose by going, my reproductive things are on the inside, like from episode <laughs> one, but it was all about, she could be, she could be one of the boys without being a boy or yeah. she could, she could be just yeah. as tough as them, but by being, she was also the smartest of anyone on the show. And they still continue to say that she's the smartest one on yeah. the show. Um, mm. But yeah, Claudia Black was the, compl- oh, sorry, Vala, the complete opposite of Sam Carter, but yeah, not- I think it's, I think it's a balancing act. Like, like Vala is in on the joke. Like to me, when I see characters like Vala, I go, well, she knows that we as men are just dumb idiots. And if we Mm. see a pair of pushed up tits, we'll say yes to anything. So she uses our stupidity for that to get what she wants. Yeah. But not in a way that is man bashing. Like, cause that Mm. can also then flip it the other way when it's just like, we're talking earlier about uh, before we started going about Riverdale and stuff like that. And it's like, a very similar character did, did something very sexual and then just went on like a man bashing rant when she was knocked back. So I think uh, to me, Vala rides that line really, really well. It's like she gets it and she yeah. uses it to her advantage um, as a way to empower herself because it's like, you know, going back and watching like, you know, old school, like fifties movies where, you know, or even, you know, you look at the first um, Wonder Woman movie and it's like men of a certain period underestimating a woman because she's a woman. And Vala's like, well, I know I'm getting underestimated for being a woman. So I'm going to subvert that and I'm going to use mm. that to my advantage because you're just a bunch of dumb, you know, red blooded men. So I'll get what I want the way I need to. Yeah. So I kind of enjoy that. I really, I really enjoy the way that she, um, she uses that. Have we, like, I can't remember from Prometheus Unbound, have we gone over her backstory like in, in, in this in the season so far no we kept very kind of spoiler free um as much as we could no i just can't remember if they if like as in the writers mentioned her backstory or anything like that no no in prometheus unbound it was kind of just that oh um thing yeah i don't know if they address the fact that how she was able to use global technology like i don't know if she says in prometheus unbound that she was once a host of a global or anything like that um, yeah, because maybe I'm thinking about like Thor's hammer going back too far. Oh, going back to Kendra. Yeah, yeah but no, obviously we get in these sort of next six episodes, we do get a lot of um, information about about Vala. And I very much in this episode, to me, she's she's just Aris Bok. Like she's as, yeah. she's as quippy and assholey and... I reckon she's kind of... Plan like, within a plan within a plan as Aris Bok. She... 
Yeah, I like the idea of this. I like actually like the storyline of this Avalon Part One, especially with the Mearden kind of angle where they go to England and they go in, into the Knoll, grassy mm. Knoll, in the cabins. And I thought it was a bit. I always wondered what the deal was with the timeline because I always had a massive issue with this. Thinking about the Stargate, that it was buried in Egypt. There was no Stargate during that that English period, the Knights of the Round Table. Yeah. So, so essentially, they fly Atlantis back, and and just basically on the rewatch, especially with. No, they don't fly Atlantis back, obviously, because they leave it there in Pegasus, but they come back through the Antarctic gate, right? And then it was supposed to be frozen for 10,000 years. So how old is mid? Well, he, yeah, he'd, he'd be that old because, yeah, because in Before I Sleep, Weird does go back 10,000 years-ish, and that's when they're evacuating. They're evacuating back to Earth. Yeah, so um, th- that's what's confusing to me because Knights of the Round Table, or you know, medieval times. I always kind of think about it, it's like, well, it would have taken a while for them. I personally, I think when all the you know Atlanteans went back to Earth, they kind of just tried to stay out of the way. You know, they were they were the most advanced beings in the universe, basically living with cavemen. So I think they were just kind of you know maybe even tried to a bit of an apartheid and just try to do their own thing but i think over the years they just decided well you know every now and then they'd they'd intervene a little bit so did they all ascend is that the idea that because that's what i was always confused about it daniel's saying well maybe merlin wasn't ascended you know how he's going through all those kind of pictographs and stuff about merlin and how he how he's 75 in the battle of such and such yeah well i think we're getting into spoiler territory for season nine and ten but i do believe at some point daniel does say that um merlin did ascend but then as daniel did descended and retook human form to help fight the aura. that's right that's right yeah but yeah, yeah I, I, I agree it is very like murky the the, the timeline Babylon, is very well, murky yeah they always talk about babylon and which is fine but the, there was no gate on earth for thousands of years so the, no, the gate the gate in Antarctica was always there. I've I've always been led to believe. Yeah, but you remember when you go back to Frozen, that gate was buried in the ice before the glacier existed oh, ten thousand years just, early. And and there's a um, but there is a um, serpent guard there. Remember, there's a yeah. But then she said there was enough. Oh, I actually went back and watched the Frozen bit because Avalon Part Two contradicts something in not something in Frozen, but before Frozen, is the fact that in Frozen, they say the Frozen chick, she was frozen. And then they then, like, say, Ra tried to dial in. The Vortex made the little cavern where the Jafar went in, and then they were frozen, died, and could never get back. So then no one ever came back to Earth. Ah. That's what they said in Frozen. Interesting. And then since then, it's been buried. Somewhat. And then Ra brought his ship 3000 BC and then there was an uprising and got buried for 5,000 years. So it was like, there's a very small window of when you could actually come to earth and create all these different deities and stuff, and then end up going back out into the universe. 
there's that it's there's a small window on earth where you could come here via stargate but yet all the cultures of earth from every different time are out there in the galaxy yeah true i guess you know like like um in demons it was the it was the english I, I guess you know just playing around here i guess you could you could almost theorize that okay so ten thousand years ago all the Atlanteans left atlantis came back to earth some of them just lived out their lives and died others ascended and at that point they could mm. travel they could travel anywhere so yeah maybe, they're immortal maybe, that makes maybe, sense yeah maybe they had influence around around the galaxy not not that you think they've crammed the milky way galaxy like a single planet you know given that the you know the ancients are all about non-interference and all that kind of bullshit mm. yeah there's, but there's definitely sort of inaccuracies in terms of how how those things kind of could have could have happened but i feel like brad wright has always been very much into the um ancient egyptian side of things whereas cooper has always lent more towards the ancients and and Lantians and all that kind of stuff actually and this is i don't know potentially a spoiler but something that occurred to me is given what we know about the priors and the ori and arc of truth the ori shouldn't have stargates but they do it's something we'll have to get to yeah that's true we never we never see one we never see an ori galaxy stargate but they start well we do but not well yeah we see that but (laughs) in maybe even the next episode or the episode after like priors start getting sent into milky way planets it's like well Mm. how the did they get there given that in arc of truth we see a flashback and as the lantians are separating from the ori you see the guy pick up his book and he's like i've got this great idea and it's a picture of a stargate and he wanders off and then they leave that galaxy <laughs> so it's cooper is all over the place but you know he loves all the lantian <laughs> sort of stuff as opposed to yeah. um the egyptian stuff where it all started which is fair enough after like nine years or whatever i guess you know there's only so much you can do with um it's Ancient just so good. Yeah. yeah. It's just so good though. Like, and then that's like not to add so much to that conversation, but just the idea of being in love with that aspect of, of the mythology. If I try and explain Stargate to someone in a very short manner, I talk about um, like whether or not I start, I'm like, well, you know, there is a you know the theory that oh, aliens built the pyramids, or well, actually the pyramids are landing docks for ships, or the idea that the gods, well, they're actually they weren't they were real and they come and visit us because they're actually alien creatures that had you know super you know natural abilities and stuff, and like I always revert back to the Egyptian side of things. Not once I reckon in the history of talking to Stargate uh, to anyone about Stargate when I try and explain it to them, I don't think I've ever brought up, well, you know, the ancient, these ancient people that have ascended, they actually created this network of things that we've discovered thousands of years. It's always about the Egyptian mythology Mm. side of it. And whenever I think about it ongoing, I'm like, Oh, is there any like, okay, the ghoul are quite minimal now and ongoing, but God, is there any undiscovered, you know, uncharted territory of, of Egyptian mythology that we haven't quite explored yet. Is there, yeah, is there yeah. anything else? Because I just, I love, I love that side of it so yeah. much. But if, I guess, if, I if guess it's asks tangible about, in our world. Yeah. If someone asks you about Stargate, you never go, well, okay. So Merlin was actually part, <laughs> part of the, part of the first evolution of the Let human me talk race to you in, in chronological order. He yeah. was actually born on a different planet, uh, but they came to, to earth 10,000, like no one's ever doing that. Yeah, no and I'm glad you guys just had that talk. I just sat back and listened because there's a, new, a note here: new history, semicolon, 
please explain it to me like I am a child because I was watching it and it kind of was like for the first time where they just sat there just dropping nuggets like, hey, everything we've ever known, it's still true, but there's a lot more before and yeah. around and this is in why, the of it. This is the, the essence of why I have always disliked Robert C. Cooper. This is something you've been talking about really, for really, this literally is years. Wow. Literally years. And I have it written down word Rhett for word. Con Cooper. Rhett Con Cooper. <laughs> yeah. Because, and, and that's the key thing. It's like, oh, Daniel, all right, they find this, they find this wonderful treasure that I don't know why they would leave gold around. Yeah. But anyway, like a bit of a yeah, given, given that part of the, part of the test was to not steal the gold coin. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, now we're going to give you a bunch of gold coins. And giving the coin back makes you, anyway, yeah. apart from that, <laughs> Daniel finds the book, the only one book that can contradict all of Brad Wright's hard work. <laughs> <laughs> and Roland Emmerich. The whole idea. Dean you know, Devlin and Roland Emmerich. The, the whole idea of the Tauri for me, when watching season one to five, you're like, we are the Tauri, you know, the lost world, the first world mm. where all of human civilization came from, which spawned the entire galaxy. And in one foul swoop, Robert Cooper's just come in and said, you know what? Not true. They're from a different galaxy. Fuck you, Cooper. <laughs> you in the ass. The, the way you explain there, it is very like, you know, Christian in a way to say, well, you know, yeah, there's other humans, but we're, we're the pure humans. Like mm. it's very... Our, our religion's the right one. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I wrote it down. It's, um, I think Cameron kind of reiterates it after um, Daniel says it and it's like, Ancients were the first evolution of humans, but they came here from another galaxy. From a different galaxy. Yeah, a different. So he even says like a Star Wars movie is like from another galaxy, far, far away. Yeah, whatever. far, far away. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, and then they just kind of decided. I mean, it, it still works in terms of okay, Earth just happened to be the first planet they decided to chill out on, and then started and seeding, seed the galaxy seeding the galaxy from there. From there. And for me, it kind of ruins a little bit of the the magic. Hey, look, it just means they didn't grow here. They flew here. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, guys. But it so does, it does definitely that, start to muddy that, the, the waters. Can I show you something? that Robert C. Cooper, you know Robert C. Cooper wrote Frozen? The episode Frozen from season six. Oh, I thought you were going to say he wrote the, the Disney, Disney film. film wow let it go yeah oh, imagine, yeah, imagine that again. like after all these years brennan like so because yeah and we can also thank him for that absolute earworm <laughs> <laughs> this video listen to this shit mm -hmm. i'd like you to have a look listen could somebody bottom line this for me well sir we could be looking at evidence that human beings evolved long before we thought they did and maybe not even originally on this planet Darwin would be crushed. Go! What is it on you? I forgot to tape The Simpsons. <laughs> so he kind of planted that in Frozen. Mm. Yeah. Which I've, I miss. I've missed the last 17 times. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because well, obviously they've been around like and the in the start of Atlantis, you see. What's her name? Anaya, Ayana, whatever it is, like being left behind mm. on Earth. And that was 
several million years ago. And then yeah. it was only 10,000 years ago that um, the people from Atlantis sort of returned. So, um, yeah, it definitely does reinforce that, you know, humans have been in the Milky Way galaxy for millions of years and creating giant yeah, like, cities that can fly. But then that, that lady was saying, maybe not originally from this galaxy. Mm. So I was like, who are you? And how dare you say that? (laughs) (laughs) Before we get any further, actually, I just want to share this. The segment is back. Uh Uh-oh. The Sounds of Stargate. The Sounds of... The Sounds of Stargate! This is from another great German band called Gamma Ray. And this song is on their album, Empire of the Undead. Any relation to Sugar Ray? No, it should be that. Every morning there's a halo hanging from my tree. I like it already. That's a that's a nine and a half minute epic, is it? That song. <laughs> it is, that is man. excellent. It is so long. That's Jesus. um that's way better than the song that first jumps to mind for me for Avalon. In uh, in tenth grade, I did a musical called Glamalot, which was basically the story of Arthur <laughs> and the Knights of the Round Table, set to seventies music, where I played Merlin and I had to sing like play that funky music, White Boy, um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, spinning wheel, you know, what goes up must come down. Anyway, um, <laughs> but there was a song in there called Avalon. So when I think of Avalon, I thought you were going to go to this one. You know that one? Oh, yeah. Avalon. I didn't, yeah. I forgot. I didn't even know they were singing that lyric. <laughs> <laughs> no, your choice was way better. So yeah, great German band, Gamma Ray. One of the we love German bands around here. Big time. Speaking Hardcore of, metal. I don't know when this episode drops, but it's been very, very close to uh, Eurovision time, which is one of my favourite. Oh yes, well, Australia is deciding. Uh, I mean, I think tonight that we record. Um, oh no, 
might be Friday night. Is it Friday night? And then the I'm, results are Saturday night? Sure. Yep. Or well, maybe it starts tonight. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think actual Eurovision is usually around May, but I don't know if COVID's changed that or not. But Okay. Um, well, yeah. this no, episode's definitely driven before May. I'm looking forward to Russia not getting invited this year. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll that teach them. Yeah. I got two phone calls from the Ukraine today. Oh, really? I was like, wrong number, guys. I can't do much for you. <laughs> um, it's uh, two things that you were talking about before. I, I wanted to mention main, the main thing was um, another bit about Vala. But first, I just wanted to, it was about if Jack was who he was in season eight, back in season one, oh, you yep. probably think very differently of him because there's a mutual friend mm. of ours, Matty, um, Ben, who does some stuff over now, Get Into Geek. And he only a couple of years ago watched Stargate, I think, for the first time. It, it, surely it wasn't the first in 20 years. I think it was the first time. And it's kind of right up his wheelhouse. And and at the end, I said, "Oh, so what do you think?" He is, yeah, I, yeah, it's good. Yep, liked it. Everyone except for Jack. And I'm like, "What? Did what do you talk? What do you mean you didn't like Jack O'Neill? What is wrong with you?" And he's like, "I just, there's no way a guy like that would be in the military." And I'm like, "Yeah, but that's kind of his charm. Like he's he's still a military guy, but like you know, he's that's for the audience." He's like, "No, it, his whole his whole personality. There's no way." that the Air Force would keep that guy on in the position that he had. Like, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't ever get past that. And it's funny because I'm like, yeah, if you just watch season eight, Jack, you're like, this doesn't, him a general, are you high? What are you talking about? Or in season seven, in that position, but come season one, I'm like, well, he did make a big jump from Kurt Russell, but he still stayed that sort of, a. am still serious you know, I just, yeah. I'm also, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah, I'm serious, Kurt Russell, but I've also watched MacGyver a couple of times mm. version of Jack O'Neill, but then, you know, quickly became the guy that we know and love, you know, come what, season two, I guess, season three. So, um, yeah, when, once Charlie 2.0 died, then he was fine. Yeah, it was, yeah, that was, the, that was the, the, the closure that we needed. Yeah. But, um, but no, but I, only- feel, I still feel like it was, ga- when it's game on, he's there. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. Yeah, even the season only, seven, season eight for sure. Yeah. The only yeah. line of Jacks that I ever bumped into in the same way that that um Ben did is when Jack is offered the role of general, like in on Stargate, and he says he's like, I spent my whole career sticking it to the man. Now I'm gonna be the man. And it's like, well, if you spent your whole life sticking it to the man, why did you join the one like do the <laughs> one job? where you have to answer to the man more than anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the only time I've ever bumped into his personality when I've gone, well, if you like yeah. sticking to the man. And Flanagan is very much that way as well. Like Shepard is very much um, sticking to the man. It's like, why the f- did you join the military then if you have problems with authority? Mm. <laughs> like, it's very strange, <laughs> but it's enjoyable. Yeah, I think Shepard's character is, wor- is the worst at it. Because every yeah. time anyone, any military guy senior to him, your lady comes apart from one particular person he's just like you i'm doing what we want yeah and i think <laughs> Dude, in the, you're, in the, you're in the military i think in the first episode of atlantis when like jack is grilling him he's like oh i just like flying helicopters or whatever it's like well, dude, you could be flying charters yeah enjoying yourself you don't you don't have to join the military yeah sure you, yeah. Get, to, you get to fly some cool places but man relax mm. dodge drones yeah <laughs> um the the valor thing too was i wanted to touch on and it was you, you guys have already um t- 
touched on the end of what you I want to say, touch but, on uh, these. Oh, hello, hello, all six inches of her. Um, B E W B S back in Prometheus O'Bound, and, and we we did look ahead to Vala coming back, and you guys said, Yeah, she's because I was like, Oh, she's annoying. You're like, Yeah, she is, but in Prometheus Unbound, she's fine. It's when yeah. she comes back and they're like, oh, we're going to use her a little bit more regularly than just a one-off cameo of that chick from Farscape back in season whatever. Uh, oh, we're kind of stuck with the personality type that we gave her back then when she was a one-off character. Oh, that's going to get maybe a little bit annoying. And I, I found that sort of almost straight away. Like I, I agree that in the base and her playing the game, her being sick, you know, in the bed next to Daniel, but still throwing jabs at him and stuff like that, that was sort of fun, but just when she showed up and it was like she'd never she she came in with the confidence like she'd never left not that she needed to reintroduce mm. herself and then that sort of carried on and i was like hey whatever look i've accepted this i've i've, I've known it's coming whatever but then at the end where she was under threat of being burnt at the non-stake and i found myself thinking oh this is oh man what the, they should have killed her at the end of this and then obviously they were going to bring it back and they could have somehow like, I guess the aura would have, I don't know. I know they've got actual power. They could have brought her back and then her personality could have changed to become a more a long version of, yeah, yeah a little more toned down version of Val. Oh, that's what they should have done. What a misstep that obviously, Oh, hang on. Holy shit. She's actually, but she's actually, gonna, she's dead. Holy. She's actually dead. And then the, the prior, is that what we were calling them? Sorry. I obviously yeah. haven't heard that term again yet. And, um, Pry comes up, waves his little magic stick, and she comes back to life. And I'm like, oh, so now you have done exactly what I thought you should have done 10 minutes ago, retroactively having watched the series 10 years ago. I know that you don't do that. Oh, and now that really does seem like a bit of a, uh, a missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, so that had never occurred to me before. You're right. Like, there is a really wonderful moment when she comes back to life. Her and Daniel actually have their first like real moment and yeah. they have a tense yeah. moment. But yeah, by the time the start of the third episode begins, she's back to her normal quippy self. It's almost like it never happened. And she didn't actually grow as a character from the experience mm. of being burnt alive. Well, um, even that one can... line was she's like, I have chills all over me. Mm. And then she's like, oh, don't, don't like think that it's you, Daniel. Yeah. I'm like, Why would you, you wouldn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah. who you were. Like yeah, she sort of lived her that life. Line irked me. Yeah, she sort of lived her life knowing, knowing, in inverted commas, that there are no consequences to her actions or her words. Mm. And yet then she did face the very real, the realest consequences. The ultimate ever, consequences, yeah. Burnt to yeah. death and then brought back to life. And she's still like, Yeah, I haven't learned my lesson. You know, yeah. I'm still gonna be yeah. this annoying person that's, that's so gonna true. push boundaries and, and push buttons. Yeah. I do wonder, I'll, um, I'll play you my last bit of Cooper because we can't really put up with it much more. But there was... Um, we have enough time in the tape. Something I didn't know is there was actually an alternate ending to this episode because I have always bumped into where this episode ends to where the next episode picks up. Mm. I've always found it was a very weird place for it to be continued. And it turns out there was actually... because I just spoiler it, I guess, to Mitch, you know, for the next episode, whether it's watching it or not, it's like basically the next episode, they just pop up in a set of rings in front of the city of Celestis mm. and they go and meet the Oris, uh, not the Orisai, the, um, the Dosai, the Dosai. They go and meet him and it's a lot of, you know, talking heads about, you know, origin and that kind of stuff. 
but there was actually a whole scene that was supposed to be the end of this episode where the um the prior and daniel and vala are actually walking through the forest and daniel and vala actually had no idea what's going on they just sense the power in this guy and realize that well if if they don't follow him they'll probably just get reburnt alive Mm. but um have a listen to this so now you were you were obviously just uh, also a little disappointed because uh in fact the end of this episode yeah. was supposed to be uh them going to celestis and and that would be the breaking point and and it i i personally you know feel as though this uh leaving the village became the final chapter of this episode and in my mind while it wasn't originally intended i can't imagined it any other way now and alternatively <laughs> I still feel quite strongly the other way where it where it, uh, it should have bled into the next story to help carry over yeah and it was a powerful scene like I thought it really articulated yeah well, I'm not I'm leaving out the aspect that we actually cut an intervening scene mm-hmm. that there was a scene where the the prior and as uh, leading Vala and, and uh, Daniel through the forest and you're not really sure what he's going to do to them um, and he, uh, uh, you know, makes a final statement, stands, st- you know, uh, puts his, his staff in the ground, and, and the rings come up, and it was a shock. You know, oh, my God, there are rings mm-hmm. in this planet, and, and where did they go? Where did it take them? That created a whole new level of mystery for the end of the show. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I hey, we had 12 minutes to cut out of this. Basically. Yeah, it had to go somewhere, and it ended up, as we had talked about in, uh, in part one, it was the only sort of full scene that ended up getting lifted out of the show. We had to make numerous trims throughout the course of it but uh, it was the only sort of full scene that had to go how about getting well, rid of the entire jafar under Kara <laughs> i feel like they didn't have to no, work. honestly they were useless because it like tilt it was for me it's just a reason for tilt to he's back on sg1 that's all it is but it doesn't even really give a reason for him to be back on sg1 like yeah, how exactly. does how does how does him leaving the newly newly formed Jafar nation, how does him leaving them and going help? and doing stuff on SG One? How does that help the the nation? I know in the next episode oh, no, that, we meet he, yeah. um, Garak, who's the new leader and all that kind of stuff. But for these two episodes, it doesn't really make sense for Tilt to to leave. But even, he was he said something about ancient technology. He believes that ancient technology is the way to bring together the Jafar or whatever. Even and that, that like, seemed like... Durak! Yeah, like, that yeah. seemed like such a stretch. He's like, very tenuous. What's the bloke that he was talking to? The younger... Ragnar. Ragnar. He's Ragnar. talking to Ragnar. And he's there going... He's like, yeah, the ancient technology. And it's like, I have always believed this. I'm like, have you? Like, I just yeah, thought, have you though? I just yeah. thought you figured that killing every ghouled system lord was the best way forward. Yeah. But now you, all of a sudden, ancient technology. And I get you've got recency bias because that happened like the last episode and it helped you. And you got your <laughs> yeah. ancient city back. But... Don't talk about it as if you've got all this like long history. Like we, we were around five minutes ago, but yeah, I, I wrote that down too. I'm like, I think we needed a bit more oomph because he was almost going to be the hardest one to move because, well, Carter's already on Earth and she's still working with stuff that's got to do with this um, Stargate Command and their discoveries. And well, Jackson, uh, he he's there. Like you can try and stop him. Or by that stage, maybe the Prometheus uh, had gone, or so the Daedalus had gone. Uh, I, so I guess he's fine, but Teal'c, it's like, yeah, I've done my bit. I'm actually now helping my people somewhere else in the galaxy. So I'm not leaving. And then something bad happens. And then he's yelling at Ragnar. And it's like, yeah, well, once we get this technology and that will help us 
prove that the Tauri are to be trusted where some people think that they're not. And if they think that they're trusted, well, then I've done my bit. And then that will help the rest of us come to the right cause. And that's my reason. How dare you question it? I'm like, I don't think any of that has enough yeah, it history in it sense. to make any sense. Like on, yeah. maybe on paper, you jot all those things down. It's like, I get that's a real tedious link, but this is all new information. I don't feel like you could always come into this episode, heard that reasoning and went, yeah, I guess so. But having seen eight, eight seasons of his story, I'm like, I feel like there are bigger reasons why you want to stick with Tari. Um, I feel like he should have just been in the cafeteria eating green jello and he's just has never, never addressed it. No, yeah. grapes, eating grapes. Eating, <laughs> eating grapes and um, jelly But I feel and like, and it's something, we've, something that we've touched on is, you know, we mentioned that pretty sure Daniel still hates Teal for killing Share. <laughs> um, pretty sure he's still holding those feelings. I don't know that Jackson and Teal actually exchanged any lines in this two-parter to each other <laughs> and also when mitchell and teal yeah, uh when when they were getting trapped wasn't he saying Tilk? no no, no well, like, well that's what i was getting to he waits until after the trap has stopped and they are presumably squished that's the <laughs> first time he calls teal's name up mm. until that point he's only talking to mitchell he's like what are the runes what's going on you need to do this blah, blah, blah. i don't know i can't help blah 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 he doesn't call out teal until the squish point <laughs> and then he goes teal that's it and then when <laughs> and then when they come out mitchell's the one that's like oh yeah they were the mirror image of you know the numbers one through nine blah 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 blah. they, oh, they don't yeah. have they don't have anything they're the only two like quote-unquote ogs left like mm. jack's gone sam's gone hammond's gone you know and they don't actually have a scene together or, you know. No, they do in the hospital when he wakes up. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's what helped draw Teal back, right? Because um, Mitchell's yeah. like, I thought he might know because it's all an, an old Gould weapon. So, which I like that. that they're oh, like, yeah, you're right. You know, dial up, go across the galaxy to ask for, um, for a little yeah, bit Yeah, the, um, the ancient Gould, Cashew, Peanut. Hmm. Yeah, that guy. Which it wasn't. It was Kronos. Um, oh, I, thought, yeah, I thought they were, they were originally the bands were created by Nut. No, that's what she said, and then he said, <laughs> "No, that's bullshit." Oh. It was actually Cronus with the with the um the Jafar and the and the captive. Right, right, right. When did they? I uh, know oh, the bracelets were on. No, it didn't really matter if they were attached. Uh, the bracelet, on. Yeah, they were still on, right? So they could still be affected. Mm. So yeah, Bala, that's, you, that's the whole reason yeah. Bala went to Celestis is because she's like, well, we don't know if it's just going to be their our minds teleported or our bodies. Yeah. So it's like, well, if we can't be, you know, a couple of levels from each other, well, then we'll probably both die if we bo don't both that, go to Celestis. That's, that's, Mitch yeah. makes a good point, though, because if Bala gets burned to death and she died, she was dead for a good 20 minutes. It felt like on the Earth. Why, why didn't Daniel just die? I don't feel like she was dead that long. Was she like? Either well, way, how long does like she it. have to be dead for before it affects? <laughs> yeah. Like, I get that they, if they separated uh, for too long, they got a little sick and they passed out. But surely, if they're dead, the the bracelet's smart enough. If it can detect that they're not near each other, surely it can detect mm. that she ain't got a heartbeat anymore. Yeah, I never clicked on that. You're right. And Cooper, Jesus Christ. 
news. Can't even keep up with his own writing in this episode. Caramba. <laughs> I think, yeah, it, it obviously was just the whole reason of the bracelets was a quote-unquote legitimate way to keep Vala around for six yeah. episodes. Yeah. Like, because otherwise you're like, why wouldn't, you know, Landry just kick her ass kick off her the base? Out. Yeah. They couldn't. I- I so. like that he actually addressed that at some point where he, uh, where they were talking in the hallway, he ducked <laughs> into the, his room and then Mitchell said to Jackson, you know, he didn't listen to anything. Right. And then he ducks back out furious. And yeah, he's he like, didn't understand it. <laughs> and then he, and then he looks, then instead of it being about that comment, he looks at Vala and he's like, what the hell is she still doing on my base? And I'm like, Oh, thank God. Someone's addressing the fact that there is this strange civilian alien on an American military base on earth and yeah. everyone just walking around like, no, this sort of wacky shit happens all the time. We don't have, we don't have to question it. Yeah. Something that was wild that um, Cooper admitted in the audio commentary is basically Landry had no backstory. They were just like, he, he's, he, yeah. when they, when they cast Landry, the character breakdown was general. <laughs> that was it. Like Bo Bridges came in, he's like, okay, so what's my character? What's his backstory? Blah, blah, blah. And Cooper literally just went like, well, we got picked up really late. So I haven't actually written a backstory for this character yet. So Bo Bridges actually went and did a bunch of research and basically wrote his own backstory for General Landry to the point where he even wrote certain quotes from great military leaders that he thought Landry would, you know, would speak to. And then Cooper just stole those and put them in the script. And that's why Landry quotes all those great mm. leaders like us is because those were quotes that, that Bo Bridges found. Like, so Bo Bridges really just created Landry himself. Um, and yeah. then Cooper just went, oh, I'll, I'll just do that. You've done the homework for me. I'll, I'll cheat and do that. That's interesting. Cause I could never, I still don't have a read on Landry, even though he's only in it for, you know, two seasons, two movies, but it's, I, I don't know if I like him or don't like him. Yeah, he, he looks so annoyed by everything in this episode to me. Like I, I, I'm essentially yeah. watching this as a first timer now, and I, if I come to love him as being like, well, he's not Hammond, but we got him, um, and he's fine. <laughs> and the fact these are Bridges, mate. You, if you're related to Jeff Bridges, you're okay in my book. Um, he but, should always be drinking like a white Russian or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but from he's the very brusque. He's very kind of brusque and, and almost short in a lot of way in the way that he talks. Like he's got a lot of, not aggression, he's not, an, but he's just very forward in the way yeah. that he that he speaks and like mm. comes that I, like, I find can be a little bit off-putting. Hammond, Hammond didn't necessarily understand everything, all the big mumbo-jumbo that was told him, to him, but he listened to it. And if he did get frustrated and wanted to hear something else, it wasn't because, I don't know, it... it Landry just sort of come in and he's like, what is all this shit? I just want to sit down. I've got no time for everything. Daniel's going on. Shut up, you nerd. And then like, you know, Mitchell's <laughs> starting to become a little bit insubordinate or, you know, making wisecracks. Vala's walking around. Who the hell is this chick? Like, what's going on in this place? And and it's not even like, oh, well, he's just angry at all the sort of, you know, immature stuff going on. It, you have that crossed with the fact that he doesn't really seem that impressed that he's on a base that has got a room that's got a device that can take you everywhere all over the galaxy. Like there's no wonderment from him. Like, okay, sure. He might've been aware of it for the last 15 years or whatever, but there's no wonderment about it. We don't ever get a moment like that. 
And then whenever he's hearing it from our OG characters about how amazing things are, he doesn't seem to give a shit. He just seems so annoyed. He only really gets like one, like what I would call like a Landry-centric episode. It's like the fourth episode of season 10, I want to say. It's called, I think, like Uninvited. Yeah. It's very boring. It's like a Predator-style thing. Like they're all going to his cabin to play chess or something. I don't know. It's, Mm. It's terrible. But yeah, so I wanted to ask you, Mitch, given that you don't really remember a lot of season nine and 10, do you remember what the deal is with Dr. Lamb and General Landry? No, oh, sorry, that was what else I was going to say. When you talk about backstory, they give you a moment there where it's like, oh, just if I knew it was you, I don't know that I, well, I didn't know either. Anyway, well, yes, let's just get on with things. And I'm like, oh, hang on a second. So, either it's almost like a it's a it's a very um platonic sort of like maybe he was married previously to her mother and it's like he's she's an old stepdaughter or something like that and there was some kind of very unamicable breakup between her mom and and now his wife and all that and there was there's some kind of family relation thing going on there or they used to bang um, and depending <laughs> yeah. on which pornography you watch online, those two storylines <laughs> could intersect. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't remember one of, at one all. of Pornhub's top five categories. Absolutely, a bit of stepdad, the, stepdaughter step. action. Yep. Uh, so no, I don't remember a thing. But that oh, scene well, we'll, was like, we'll keep an eye on that. It was really in your face, like. Have a look at the awkwardness here. We are not going to explain anything, but you are going to want to remember this. There's there's also something for you to keep an eye out on is it's never actually addressed in the show, but it's something that Ben Browder and Lexa Doig sort of did in their, it's like their behind the scenes thing is to them, Mm -hmm. Lamb and Mitchell are Right. That's that's their little sort of running gag. That's cool. So there's one point where and what could even be in these episodes, or it might be a later one, but you see the two of you see Lamb and Mitchell coming out of the elevator, and Mitchell's like doing up the top button of his like fatigue. <laughs> and to them, that was their little nod to they were just basically in the elevator. <laughs> so that's um, excellent. Yeah, keep an eye out for that. Very much like in the way we used to see those, you know, those little things with Janet and Daniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's an episode, it might even be the finale of, of SG1, where like um, Amanda Tapping and Chris Judge are like, oh no, Tilk and Sam were fing this episode. You just don't know. <laughs> that's that's what we were that's what we were playing. You just don't know. Something I'll keep um, an eye out for that though. That's funny. <laughs> something I do want to mention too when we were talking about Landry is someone who was actually up for that role is Louis Gossett Jr., who was oh, introduced yeah. in the next episode as Garak or Garak, mm. however you want to be, um, the head of the um, Jafar Nation. He was actually up for consideration for the role of Landry. That would have been cool. Yeah. I'm very interested to find out like what that would have been. Like Maybe he just didn't want to sign on for something long-term. Yeah. Maybe they're like, oh, shit, we can't have two bald black guys in the same show. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But um, yeah, that would have been interesting because I think he Louis Gossett Jr. almost does remind me of that general mustache for that we had back in like season four or season five. Yeah. And I feel like Louis Gossett Jr. has played like Air Force or Army generals in in movie things. Yeah, he would have yeah, for he, sure. He would be very intimidating. So yeah. yeah, maybe he was just too intense for the role. I don't know, but um, that could have been fun. 
Um, and that the the doctor, the scientist, the 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 balding guy with Dr. the glasses. Lee. Dr. Lee, right? Yeah, okay. Now you say Dr. Lee, I'm like, oh, we've seen him before because yeah. I'm like, I'm watching him going, do I remember you from season nine and 10, 10 years ago? Or have I seen you kind of recently-ish in Stargate SG-1? But that makes sense. Because yeah, he, I, I, he, I he, he was on the Firefly planet was like the first time we introduced to him. Um, like yeah. on the moon where all those little fireflies. The glowy bugs. The glowy yeah, bugs. Okay. Um, and then he was with Daniel when they were in like South America searching for that. Oh. Of course, um, of course. The evolution device, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no, I, yeah I, but that I, was only yeah. his second or third appearance, right? Until yeah, these he does last, way these more last two seasons, are, yeah, what he's way more, way more prevalent. Yeah, he does. He even does some episodes of Atlantis, I think, as well, from memory. Ooh, somehow, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's funny though with 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 that. Uh, because I've watched even just this far of Atlantis prior to watching the season finale of Atlantis, even I'm there. And I know of at least one character big uh, of SG one that is in a future season. I don't know for how long, but certainly in a few seasons of episodes of note of Atlantis. And I've like, I've always oh, yeah, thought, Lincoln okay, probably would have spoiled that for you years ago, wouldn't he? I think the DVD, uh, I'd say the DVD covers have as well, yeah. but something. I'm sure Lincoln would have years ago when it meant nothing to me, but I never knew how they got there. I just thought, well, okay, that season would have filmed, say it was season four of Atlantis, I don't know. That season four, well, that would have filmed after season 10 wrapped up of SG-1, so that person technically was out of the job and they've just went well let's find a science reason to allow you to go to that place that can't be got to and then we get to the season finale it's like yeah we got the deadless oh yeah we get a zzpm so we can fire this bad boy up whenever we want and get here in a couple of days easy don't even worry about it and i'm like oh all of a sudden the problems that i've i've had about stargate atlantis for literal years not understanding how they can just willy-nilly get people over there back and forth it's fixed in an in a nothing line so um yeah after one season yeah yeah actually speaking of brendan you'd be very very proud of me um i went through the mcdonald's drive through the other day and i'd ordered online through the app and it gives you like your little code um and the code was like zw74 or whatever um and i just thought oh that'll be they won't understand if i go so i said zw <laughs> <laughs> and can i just say too that I said in our last podcast, by the time it went up, uh, I would have changed our pronouns uh, on our Twitter page oh, to be Mitchell. Z slash ZPM. I, I, for the life of me, on an app, desktop, doesn't matter. I cannot find, and I've used it before. I've had it, I think, on my own personal one. Hmm. I don't know how to change pronouns on Twitter. So I could, it you just couldn't put it, be done. You just I, put it in no, the bio. Just, I, I put it in the bio, bio in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah no, as, that's, um, that's the only way to do it. Oh, it must be oh, on some yeah, other. I didn't even see it. There must be some other yeah. social media app where it's an actual drop-down menu. Yeah, yeah, on select. on Facebook oh. because remember, um, Facebook, I I, I sent it to you the other day. Is it's it on like... Trump's one? <laughs> well, oh no, I my it... god, I read about that today. That is that is some kind it. of fun. Truth social tweets truth are just social. called truth, and then <laughs> truth, truth. <laughs> And then if Whatever you retweet it, if truth. you retweet it, if you retweet it, it's called a retruth. 
Um, oh, Jesus Christ. There's no likes. I haven't you heard anything about this. Mate, it's special. Oh, um, God. So I, again, I don't like this. Isn't this isn't choosing political sides? I'm, going, just, I'm not even joking. I'm no, going, I thought about. Hey, let's make great. a let's make a get it in the gate one. Like I think it's God, a smart yes. thing to do. Whenever there's a new social media, it's not platform, available in Australia yet. Oh, damn it. We don't. We're not. We're not prepared for the truth. We can't handle the truth in Australia. <laughs> so. Well, it's because it's because we don't exist. We're just a bunch we of paid actors. <laughs> Where Tom Cruise, so, the world, you can't handle the truth. In the meantime, us here in Australia, and let's let's poke fun at our own people. Um, go online if you're if you're overseas, please go online and search our Prime Minister <laughs> Scott Morrison Welding, because yep. our I, I got nut of a leader. I got sent that from Jacob today. Jacob over in LA, he sent me he sent me that today. Excellent, like, oh mate, that's that's been around for a week. It's the best. Hey, yeah, he's on a PR movement. He hasn't called an election yet, but they're due to call a federal election sometime this year. We are going to the polls to vote for our leader and. And uh, he, two weeks ago, he was he was a hairdresser. He was at a, a salon washing someone's hair in a basin. Uh, I forget what he'd done the week before. And then he well, Obviously got the, not holding a hose because it's not no, his no, job no, to He was on hose, 60 mate. Minutes playing the ukulele. That's right. There was that too. He was <laughs> playing April Sun in Cuba <laughs> with his wife singing backup. Um, I'm so glad I don't, I don't watch any Oh, services. my God. It's so awful. Sorry, yeah, it was that. No one watched it. They, were, they no. just saw it on Twitter. The only people that watched it were the people that are already going to be voted for it anyway because they're yeah. over 50. But, yeah, he went to, I don't know where he went, you know, some work site somewhere. Just, you know, and, just getting in with the blue collar phone. Yep, absolutely. He's a working man <laughs> and he's welding and he's wearing a face shield, as you do when you weld. I don't know if any of you guys, uh, Brendan, I assume you did because we did shop together, yeah. and you wear those welding face shields and, you know, the, the visors. You're not meant to see. They're very dark. You can't, I, I agree with him. You can't see through it. But the idea is to start <laughs> welding and fire that thing up because it is as bright as the it's, sun in your it's eyes. The, yeah, it's the, it's the equivalent of, of Trump looking up at the eclipse. Yes, it is. I, I didn't know no, that Australia had... That. Yeah, it's at least it's, it's like because everyone looks at the sun. Okay, you like look up. You like, oh no, yeah, the clouds I've, are the cl- I used still. I to stare yep. at the sun when I was a kid till it turned blue. It was I, stupid. Oh but. Jesus! <laughs> so anyway, our peanut PM did the same thing. He took the shield off to have a look at where he is welding, then fired it up, and then as fast as you've ever seen the flash move, pulled yeah. that face shield back over his eyes because he realized that he was burning yeah. the layers but off. It, it looked like it was more to protect himself yeah. from sparks than yeah. it was to protect yeah. his eyes from the flash. Oh, my hey, God. Mitch, can you just say his name again? Because he's very forgetful. I'm Fine, sorry. I, I made us I made us go there. And, uh, yeah, well, rediscovering this episode and trying to remember where it goes... Like yeah, it does feel like it. It could have been a, a whole new show, and that probably would have like made more sense. But I, I wonder whether that's just like a, a retroactive sort of feeling, knowing that this show only lasts another two seasons. Like, had it have gone for another six, I probably wouldn't feel as like, oh, this is a big like, you know, turn off the highway really, really quickly um, by introducing the Ori. We've got you know a new leader. We've got a new general. We've got a completely new set of bad guys, and you know, I, yeah, I, what, what I do I love new though: new general, new colonel, new doctor, new nemesis, new law. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. The whole law thing. Yeah, we touched on. It's like that. That does seem like something you do halfway through a series. And again, I'm I'm sure they were hoping this thing would go on forever. But in hindsight, we know that this only goes for another two seasons. So at the beginning of its end run, they go, "Oh, by the way, everything you've ever known." Yeah, not mm. true. How much mm. are you going to touch on that? <laughs> well, 
probably not as much as we did the old stuff, but you know, now that it's there, it's canon um, to deal with it. And you'll probably hate it until Origins <laughs> comes out. Then you'll hate that even more. So now Robert C. Cooper looks even better. Don't worry. <laughs> I've got a movie idea called The Ark of Truth. That's going to solve everything. <laughs> I do, as a whole, I do like season nine and 10. It's, it is a very different show, but it's, I, I find sometimes if I, like before we started the podcast, it's probably the last time I would have watched season nine and 10 was before we started the podcast is, mm if I was looking to binge something and it's like, Oh, I didn't really want to commit to like fucking 10 seasons. I would just binge nine and 10. No, because of there, it gives me enough Stargate, but it's just a quick little, you know, two seasons. Um, and they're pretty good episodes. There's only one or two like stinkers overall. They're pretty damn good. Actually really like as much as I've shat on this as hard as I'll, I have like enjoyed I enjoyed part one, I think, more than part two. But um, part three, I have an issue. Like Origin, I find it, it, it didn't, it's very much going back to like our season one conversation of there before the grace of God into politics, into like Origin yeah. didn't need to be a whole episode. I've got, right. yeah, spoiler, spoiler alert, I've already watched it. I have three notes. Like, <laughs> well, that's what just, we were talking about. It's just a about. massive exposition dump. Well, like talking about what Cooper was, um, or what Makita would rather was that forest scene at the end of part two, and and I actually agree with Makita because you, if you had that scene where the aura pops up a ring, that would have been so exciting because you're like, holy shit, they got rings. Yeah. Mm. What the fuck are they? What are they? Because you don't know what they are. Yeah. This then, you have no idea. And then and then the, and then they ring to the the celestial city whatever it is and then it says to be continued because to me it's like um, you're seeing the Emerald City you know yeah. in the Wizard of Oz this wide shot and then it says to be continued and you're like that's where we're going to be next episode yeah that's given, a cliffhanger Cooper you given that idiot. given that <laughs> when you know uh, Vala and Daniel are first transported to the town Vala makes a comment about well these don't look like you know, mm. the, you yes. know, the ancient civilization, you know, blah, blah, blah. We and it's like, well, Celestis is what we, we see one room in Celestis. Like, yeah, we, we, we see like a dining room in Celestis and the fireplace. That's it. Yeah. And the, the rings are very throwaway in, well, I mean, we'll get to it, you know, next week, but even the appearance of the rings is very throwaway and it doesn't give you the big, oh shit, they have rings kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, I disagree with Cooper saying like, "Oh, that's a good scene to end on," when Vala and Daniel are walking from left to or hello to the Ara, and they just walk out of frame. Yeah, how is that an end of an episode? That's why. Nuts. Why wouldn't why wouldn't you have stopped it after Vala was burnt before the before yeah. the, before the prior came in and healed her? Yes. Why wouldn't you exactly. stop there? Exactly. That's good, imagine that's imagine even, that as that a perfect, even better. You go yeah. Because then you have a week to go, Daniel's on his own. And then like what Mitch put together before, it's like, oh, f- the bracelet's still connecting them. If Vala dies, yeah. Daniel's going to die. Well, the- And you've got a week to like panic and go, how the f- are they going to get out of this? I guess the yeah. flip side is you would have been, you know, a bit disappointed when, you know, in the first eight seconds, some bald pale guy rocks up and, and magics Vala back to life. But it still would have made a better cliffhanger. Yeah, you're right. It, yeah. yeah. What, either one of those, they go. Uh, you actually see the city, or which would have been amazing because you think of, you think of, you know, they they spent seven, eight seasons trying to find Atlantis, 
Yeah. And then to in me, the first episode, to me, it would have been like the Nox. Remember another when galaxy we, Atlantis. Remember at the end of the Nox when we finally see that the Nox actually have that big, yeah. crazy floating city in the sky full of technology and stuff. It could have been that kind of moment where you're like, oh, f- where are Daniel and Vala are about to go? But yeah, 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 it was all over the place. No, but we got Cooper. <laughs> That's okay. We'll make do. Yeah, still good though. But actually, the only other thing I was going to mention is we often talk about translating, and I think this is the first time in SG one where Daniel specifically says anything about technological use of translations. He says, "I think we we're speaking ancient. I think the communicator is translating for us." Oh yeah. And I'm like, that would have been just a sweet bit of dialogue. Like, oh, the, the DHD is communicating for us. That would have been a nice bit of dialogue in season two. Yeah, but then Daniel wouldn't have been allowed on the team if they didn't need a translator. Yeah, that's what I mean. Season one's <laughs> fine because then he's there. And then he's just the archaeologist. Oh, um, yeah, I, I get you. Archaeology guy. Oh, maybe, maybe it's because our DHD doesn't, you know... Uh, compensate for stellar drift it doesn't mm. compensate for for translations either because yeah because you'd think the communication device would potentially be oh no i guess it could be newer than the than the stargates it is hard to know because they have mm. how did they get the stones and harry met sally oh you're right then they would have yeah they'd have to be pre-Stargate. So that, yeah, they would mm. based on Arc of Truth, they would have to be older than the Stargates for them to exist um, in the Ori Galaxy. Plus, didn't they have one on Destiny? No. Or they brought it's, it through with them. Yeah, what's what's the guy's name? The main doctor? Jacob's going to kill me. Rush. Rush. Rush brings him. There's, oh. there's like an Earth version. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which I, I missed the first time because they just put it on this little white glowy square and I'm like, huh? What are we doing? Took me episodes and episodes to catch up on that. All right. That is episode 191, episode one and two of Stargate SG-1 season nine. Season one of Stargate Command. Oh. Was there a do we have a lyric breakdown? Well, did did I just hear them say something about rusty semen, or am I just um, projecting at that point? <laughs> no, you are. Projecting. Are they are they singing in English or are they singing in German? They're singing in English. Okay. From the land of make believe comes the faith of the unbeliever, and the eyes of God have turned away from Avalon, and belief is the holy grail of the fool. And the mass deceiver turning good into evil deeds to rise. Mass deceiver. From Avalon. Mass deceiver. That's where I heard Rusty Seaman. There you go. Mass deceiver. Yeah, definitely. Great people. Avalon, also some great episodes of Disney's Gargoyles. Check it out on Disney Plus. God, yeah. Just Goliath traveling through time. Goliath. Oh, dude. I've got to watch that now. (laughs) Well, no time to pod. (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah well we'll be back next week i guess for part three of avalon aka origin yes yeah. origin yes origin yeah. origins so uh, origin with one and one back s no s no s 
<laughs> SG1 episodes, and then we'll be cracking back uh, over to Stargate Atlantis in two podcast time. In the meantime, you can check out all of our old episodes. Uh, you know, hey, if you want to go back on an Atlantis journey, or you want to go back, hey, you know what? Go back and listen to our Frozen chat. We mentioned that before. That's going back a bit to go back and yeah. see what we thought about that and the mythology building that that episode did way back when. And, and if they- you'd like to have a long look at some of our back catalog. Oh, shit. Check out our Patreon, guys. Have I was looking at look. some of the videos in there the other day, and it's like, my God, weren't we youthful at the start of all of this? And even as recently yeah. as two years ago, we were. Oh, mate, there's, oh, one, of, there's one where you look mighty fable, I have to say. There's one video where Mitchell is looking mighty fable. Thank you. <laughs> Just one. Just one. Just, Just one. one. No. Yeah. Hey, you only, I think, you only need I one think it was the video. one we filmed on my phone where I turned on the beauty filter. That could have been the one. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but uh look it is a little bit quiet over there lately because you know life but i did want to um tyrannical government australia yeah yeah just, you know yeah. restriction the amount of times we've been stuff. beaten in the streets for uh whatever they're beating people in the streets for in our tyrannical well, country so yeah. i get beaten in the streets for beating off in the streets but that's whole, <laughs> that's another thing but it cancels each other out the beating yeah. i didn't have the beating. i didn't have coffee in my coffee yeah. cup and I didn't have a mask, so I got bashed. Yeah, oh. you, had rough, you had rusty semen in your coffee cup. Um, so I did want to welcome some of our patrons. Uh, Jessica Allen, Elliot, can't read my own writing, Corsa. Uh, we've got some fun We've got some fun pseudonyms too. Zodiac, Mad Scientist, Ginger here. Uh, uh, Ginger here. Blunderball. My favourite, Chaos Cowboy. Man, that's hot. Love it. As well as uh, Andy Crest, Jessica Jane, and James Robertson. So welcome, everybody. Great people. We'll um, welcome, welcome. We'll try and get some uh, some more gear up there. How does everyone? Should we should we play another game of penis or no penis or what? Let's do it. You know, I actually think that might be the best way to welcome them to the Patreon group there. And look, we are. I would have said yeah. Z slash Z. Oh, oh my god, me. I'm I'm very yeah. sorry. <laughs> Spoiler alert: When we play penis, penis or not penis, at least one of those times, I'm thinking about the Chaos Cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you that right now. You get double points if you can guess that you're thinking of <laughs> yeah, Chaos Cowboy yeah. penis. You guys, yeah, you guys can figure out. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, it may it may come back to but I might just be thinking about Chaos Cowboy penis. Yes. You know. Yeah. You never know. You never know. That's the point. That's the idea. And look, we are hoping we've we've spent two years now doing this remotely, which, you know, look, a lot of podcasts alone have been doing, let alone a bunch of other stuff. We are hoping very, very, very soon. um, Just saying effort to the rules that are keeping us from doing this in person, face to face uh, in the beautiful broadcast studio that we used to do it, where everything sounded very mint and we could reach out and touch each other whenever we wanted. And it was often, let me tell you. So uh, (laughs) once we do that, that might be the perfect setting to play penis or no penis. um, So that we can really, if you you guys only knew the amount of podcasts we did where i was basically just sitting on mitch's lap licking his face and you guys had no you guys had no idea no i don't i i didn't forget (laughs) (laughs) i didn't forget either but i was the one sitting on your lap so i wasn't forgetting either (laughs) well until all of that continues hopefully yeah check out our uh back catalog patreon.com forward slash get into gate all of us on the socials and uh we'll be back next podcast to talk origin 
or Avalon mm. Part 3, whichever is yeah. your preference, because we're not here to correct or tell you it's your preference, as yeah. it is in line. I do. Whatever you identify that episode as, that as, episode yes. Just, yeah. just don't identify Origin as Origins. Two no, very different. No, no. When it comes to Stargate, yeah. I get Origin versus Stargate Origins. Very different experiences. Yes. Yeah, it, it's up to you. It's your choice, except for that society absolutely can tell you what that is and isn't. And it mm. is Origin is definitely not Origins. And hey, is. if you did like Stargate Origins, you're wrong. <laughs> Get into geek.